When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. It's hard to believe that tomorrow marks the 30th anniversary of Michael Bolton winning the Grammy for his iconic cover of When a Man Loves a Woman. I spoke with Bolton in 2019 when he called from the airport on his way to Washington, D.C. to perform at the Kennedy Center with the National Symphony Orchestra. Jason. Mr. Bolton, thanks so much for joining us. Call me Michael. How are you, Jason? Michael, thanks so much for joining us. All right, just so our listeners know, we are talking the NSO Pops concert with Michael Bolton on Tuesday, May 21st at the Kennedy Center. Um, Now, Michael, have you done any of these, uh, you know, orchestral accompaniment shows before with the NSO, or is this the first one? It's the first one with the NSO, and I'm really excited about it. We're touring um, uh, on an album I recorded with 65 pieces. And once you do that, you get really spoiled and you want to perform. And so I know this is an especially great one, so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, tell our listeners how, you know, it's one thing to go see, you know, just a regular concert, but tell them how epic it is with that, how, how many piece orchestra is going to be there. You know, tell them how epic and how it just elevates the sound so much. I'm sorry, you should just do all the talking. You're doing a great job explaining. <laughs> um, it is, epic is a great word. I mean, you know, I've been performing the greatest hits for over 30 years. Um, the fans come to hear the hits, and I know that. But there's something that happens when you put a, a huge orchestra on stage, or in my case, in the studio. Um, you bring uh, you bring an entirely different dimension to all of the hits. Uh, you're still going to know every song. You're going to know as soon as you hear the beginning of each song, which song it is. But there's a depth and an emotion and um a type of uh, power that comes with a symphony orchestra performing those songs that elevates the entire room. It elevates starting with the musicians. My band, my band loves performing with a symphony orchestra. So they're all enjoying the experience on stage. And then we feed what we're experiencing to our audience. It's, it's, it's really powerful. Awesome. Now, a lot of our listeners, you know, we, we know your music from, you know, the hits and the, the adult contemporary stuff, but a lot of our listeners might not know, didn't you start off in, like, heavy metal, hard rock? Well, I actually started off in blues um, in Connecticut, had a blues band. Um, of course, I played in cover bands uh, in every club or restaurant that would have us. Uh, and then years later, uh, in the 70s, I had a band called Blackjack. Um, which was a hard rock band. We did two albums for Polydor Records. Um, and then I did two more rock albums for Columbia Records until the president of the record company said, Michael, I know you love this whole rock thing. You love the wall of sound. You, you know, I really, I get it. I really do. But 
the songs you're writing for other artists and giving away, um, the R&B songs, the ballads, those are your hits. And I'd like you to do an album with those songs. So basically after two albums that didn't hit, instead of the president telling us, you know, it's been nice working with you, good luck in the industry. He said, I want to make another record with you, but I want you to keep your hits for yourself. And I did. And that very next album, uh, That's What Love Is All About, and the uh, Otis Redding classic, Talk of the Bay, um, the album The Hunger came out, and that was my first hit album. The next album was Soul Provider, and that went to 10 million albums, and then Time, Love, and Tenderness went to 14 million. So I guess the president of the company was right. <laughs> yeah, you stop giving away all your gems and you start recording them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, because I, I, that's true because How Am I Supposed to Live Without You was a huge hit for you, but you had written it for Laura Branigan earlier, like in the early 80s, and then how did you come to pluck that one out and say, you know what, I'm going to do that one in 89? Because that was a huge hit for you. Well, in 83, um, I, had been, I had been getting uh, artists recording my songs um, for a couple of years, and then uh, Laura Branigan released How Am I Supposed to Live Without You and had a huge hit with it. And there were people who told me they loved my demo, the version that I did in the studio that we just play for people so they get an idea how the song goes. Um, and secretaries at the record company were taking those demo tapes home. And one of the things they loved was my demo of How Am I Supposed to Live Without You. So I thought, let me let me record it and see, you know, I might, maybe it won't be a single um, because it's too soon after Laura Branigan, but it was like eight years later um, after Laura had a, a you know, great hit with it. Uh, we released it and um, it went to number one very, very quickly for six weeks. Won me my first Grammy for Best Male Vocal. Um, and I'm just, I'm so glad I just felt like recording it and thought whatever happens, happens. And now, um, you know, 20, 30 years later, uh, it's being performed all the time on Idol and The Voice and X Factor around the world, different singing competitions. It's one of the popular songs that keeps being, keeps being performed. And I'd love to see it go to number one for the third time. <laughs> that would be awesome if it did, it did that again. Um, so that was a, you know, you, a, a song you had written earlier that you brought back around, but How Can We Be Lovers, What that was you wrote specifically for, for Soul Provider. When you're co-writing that thing, what's going through your mind when you're writing that? Because that's one of those great How Can We Be Lovers, but in parentheses there's always that, if we can't be friends. So that's the song that I wrote with uh, Diane Warren and Jasmine Child. Diane Warren and I became friends because we both were songwriters that no one was calling. <laughs> we were pitching our songs, but you know, um, we had our first hits on the same album, the Laura Branigan album. Um, my song was How Am I Supposed to Live Without You, and Diane Warren's song was Solitaire. And we both enjoyed the fact, and we kind of high-fived the fact that now everybody was returning our calls. It's like we chased the music industry entire life, and when you have a hit, a major hit, the whole industry starts chasing you. So Diane and I got together and started writing together. Uh, and Desmond Child is another writer who I knew who had written for Kiss and Bon Jovi. And um, we, the three of us got together in my apartment in New York City and wrote How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends in 
two days. Uh, and it became a very, very big hit. And there's, um, there are theories for songwriters, which is like, uh, if you can find a way to pose the truth, there's a lot of power in the truth. And it's almost, it's almost logic. Life experience teaches you. Um, it's very simple logic. How you, you can't be lovers if you can't be friends. And it's basically what people miss most, miss the most when their relationships are ending or, or potentially ending is that you lose your best friend when you lose your relationship. But there's a lot of logic and a lot of truth in a very simple question. How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? It's still one of those fan favorites. Jason, I'm sorry, I'm I'm at the I'm in the lounge waiting to waiting to board the plane. So <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, well, there's so many others. When a man loves a woman, we can go through them all. But before we go, I know my listeners are younger on this. How'd you get involved with Lonely Island and Captain Jack Sparrow poking fun at yourself? Self-deprecation is the best. How'd you hook up with those guys? Captain Jack Sparrow is the gift that keeps on giving. First of all, <laughs> um, I was in Los Angeles and I got a message that the Lonely Island guys who had written all those genius, hysterical um, videos for Saturday Night Live um, wanted to meet with me and they had an idea they wanted to pitch me to work with them. And I was a huge fan of pretty much everything they've done. So that was a no-brainer. And I said, let's meet. Um, And they sent me over a copy of what what the concept was of the, of the video. And I read it and I laughed, but it was, it was really gross. <laughs> it was funny, but it, um, I thought a certain segment of my audience would get what's funny about it and then the others would say, okay, this is not funny. And why did Michael think this was funny? So I basically said, in other words, can you tweak it a little bit, like, clean it up just a little bit so I don't have to feel like I'm offending half my audience. Right. Um, Cause I'm still, I'm still touring the world. And uh, if anything, I'm, I'm touring more now than ever. And they said, no, we can do that. And no, we understand, you know, we got, we've done events and, you know, videos for people who loved everything, but a, a line here or shot here. So we can do it. And I thought they were just saying that because they're so busy. They're, they're producing television shows, movies. You know, Andy Samberg's got his own, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, their careers have taken off. So I thought they were just telling me they were just being nice and saying, you know, they'll fix it and then they'll send it to me. But sure enough, like every three weeks or so, two, three weeks, I would my phone would light up. And it was basically Andy Samberg's telling me we worked on it. Um, take a look at this version and I would look at it and in some cases it got worse. It got more disgusting basically. <laughs> um, and, and I still, of course I would laugh out loud while I was reading it, but I said, no, you guys are going the wrong way with this. Right. And then finally I got to Atlanta on tour and I got a version and I said, this, I can, I can do this. How do we do this? Uh, and I reached out to them and they told me, find a recording studio in Atlanta, which is easy to do, there's lots of them, and we'll we'll show up on Skype and we'll produce the session, and we want you to stack all these harmonies on the chorus and just have fun with it. And I said, okay, great. And I went in the studio for about six hours, just kept layering it and adding variations, and they were yelling out things through the through the computer screen basically, 
Um, and it was just fun. And the, and the hook started to get, get so big, um, it started to become this really catchy, sexy hook. And then they said, you know, if you can be in New York on these next two days, we can film it all in New York. And I said, okay, I'm there. So we shot for two 14-hour days. And when you're, when you're laughing your butt off when you're filming, when you're working, it always finds its way up onto the screen. If you're having a good time, it always shows up on the screen. So I had a good feeling about it, but I was really still a nervous wreck. And when, when they aired, um, we filmed it on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and then, or I'm sorry, Tuesday and, Wednesday and Friday, and it aired Saturday night. And I was hiding in a corner just in case people didn't like it. <laughs> I was a nervous wreck. And it aired and people were laughing out loud in the audience and it went over really well. And the next morning it did a million views early in the day and started doing a million views a day for weeks and weeks and weeks. We celebrated the 100, 100 millionth view and it's now approaching 200 million views. Wow. We're very close. So not only was it a great thing to do and, and is fun, self-deprecation is fun. As long as the, the only rule is it's got to be funny. If, if it's funny, everything pays off. Um, and then I started getting phone calls from producers and television writers and television producers about doing comedy and having fun. So I started developing some shows and then I you know, was a guest on Two and a Half Men three times and I started thinking I could have a lot of fun as long as I still can do music, connect my music through television or you know, Netflix, which interestingly enough was the next thing I did. The next large event I did was my big sexy Valentine's Day uh, special, which was with the Lonely Island guys and about 20 other amazing people, um, stars, and just having, having fun. But I guess you'd say I'm at the point in my life where I'm, I have permission to have fun. Well, we're having fun with you, the Game of Thrones thing, everything. We appreciate it, but we know you got to catch an airplane, so we'll let you run. Um, again, everybody, Michael Bolton with the NSO Pops at the Kennedy Center. One night only, you got to get there. Mr. Bolton, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for all the time. I appreciate it. It's going to be a great concert. All right, safe flight. Thanks very much. Thanks for your, your understanding. All right, bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.